this kind of stuff is bringing back some old memories, some old thoughts, and some good times, man. Grew up in Hickory, and you get a chance to play in Smith Center for the state championship games. Amazing. We were long, we were skilled, we were tough. Forty-four Daniel Willis was a stud for them. All right, Dave, thank you very much. As we get set for the Tornadoes of Victory High, they will be the visitors tonight. They're in their red uniforms. They're actually burgundy uniforms. Welcome back to 123 Wildcats. This podcast is obviously focused on East Chapel Hill, but there were two teams in that state championship game, March 22nd, 1997. And this episode is going to focus on the Hickory Red Tornadoes. If you've been following this podcast, you're pretty familiar with the East Chapel Hill players by now. I want to give you a sense of that Hickory lineup so you can understand how the Red Tornadoes made it to the 97 state final. While Hickory played a deeper bench, it's clear that the Wildcats and Red Tornadoes were very similar. More on that in a bit. Hickory is a small city northwest of Charlotte, population about 42,000. It sits along Interstate 40, about halfway between Winston-Salem and Asheville. Hickory is probably known more for furniture making than for basketball. The local businessmen would watch the lumber that originated from this area be sent to the factories up north to make furniture. And they were wondering, why are we sending all of our furniture up to factories up north when we could be producing it here and supporting our local economy? The name Hickory was actually not the town's first. It was originally established in the 1800s as Hickory Tavern. Like Chapel Hill in Orange County, Hickory is Catawba County's largest population center, but it is not the county seat. In Orange County, the county seat is Hillsboro. In Catawba County, the county seat is Newton. Hickory is home to one of NASCAR's historic tracks, the Hickory Motor Speedway. And it's also home to the Hickory Crawdads minor league baseball team. Two key things to know about the circumstances leading to Hickory's appearance in the 97 state championship game against East Chapel Hill. One, Hickory was a return finalist, having played in the 96 championship against Burlington Williams. Two, eight players from that 97 basketball team were on an utterly dominant football team that won the state title in December, 1996. John Worley was part of both teams as a coach, an assistant in football, and the head coach in basketball. And he also coached successful softball teams at Hickory. Worley went on to become the football coach and the athletic director. It is his alma mater, and he has a keen sense of its athletics history. During that time, we were very strong in football, basketball, baseball, girls basketball, soccer. We just had a great run. Hickory's girls basketball team was the state champion in 1995, 1998, 
1999. David Elder was the girls' basketball coach, and he was also the football coach. The season that Elder's football team put together in 1996 was one of the most dominant in North Carolina history. The Red Tornadoes went 16-0, and their closest margin of victory was 17 points. In Hickory's wing tee offense, they didn't throw very much, but when they did, quarterback Daniel Willis was quite efficient. They allowed just 86 total yards by Ragsdale in the 3A state championship game, a 42-0 victory that lowered their scoring average for the season. John Worley was the offensive line coach then, and it's safe to say that line made plenty of trips to the Golden Corral in Hickory, but also spent a good amount of time in the weight room. The offensive line we had the year we won it, every one of them got a college scholarship. It was a year of dominance, obviously, but there's another team in Hickory that had probably an equally dominant season more than 30 years earlier. Ridgeview High School in 1964 was unscored upon in 12 football games and won a North Carolina High School Athletic Conference state title before integration of schools. Ridgeview was the high school for black students in Hickory until its closing in 1966. That team, which was honored at a Hickory High School game 50 years later, was called the Untouchables. They outscored the opponent 446 to zero. Hickory outscored its opponents 767 to 99. That point total was the highest in the NCHSAA in 21 seasons. That football success meant Hickory was playing well into the traditional start of basketball season in the 96-97 school year. They actually lost their first game. So we started out slow, won the Christmas tournament, and all of a sudden it just we got on a roll and. Uh, We really didn't get hot until the playoffs that year. The Red Tornadoes, as we said earlier, they got all the way to the state finals the previous year. They got there without their top inside scorer, Ty Hunt. He played in the Red Tornadoes' first two playoff games, but then missed the rest of the postseason because of an accident suffered at home. We'd won the sectional, and I gave him a day off. And I never did that. Never. And hadn't done it since. But I thought, well, these guys need a day off. I mean, we're all happy. We're jacked up. Hadn't been in the regionals. And he was helping his dad or his granddad uh, cut firewood. And he cut his finger and had to have surgery on his index or his ring finger on one of his hands. And that put him out. We sort of cuffed our way into the state finals that year and played Burlington Williams. And they just beat our eyes shut. Alex Spaulding scored 27 points as Williams beat Hickory 78-58 in the 96 final. Hickory was admittedly awestruck by the surroundings that year. Here's Daniel Willis. When you walk into the, the Smith Center, I mean, it's a pretty amazing place that you haven't, if you've never been in there with the all the Carolina blue, the banners, the Michael Jordan jersey. So I think that first year kind of prepared us the second time through, like, hey, we've been here. We've seen this place. We kind of have a feel for it. 
It's a phenomenon witnessed several times by Rick Strunk, an associate commissioner for 30 years at the North Carolina High School Athletic Association. I could tell sometimes when teams walked on the floor, their mouths are agape and they're looking up at the rafters. You think, uh-oh, are they awed by the moment? We took a team picture before every championship game as a memento. So each team, win or lose, had that picture. And sometimes you could tell just like, oh man, they're focused on, they're, they're awed by the surrounding. Rick Strunk has knowledge of this state that, you know, you just can't replace. His understanding of state championship history makes one, two, three Wildcats far better than it would have been without him. Strunk is from Catawba County. He went to neighboring Newton Conover High School. And regarding this championship in particular, he had deep knowledge of both teams given his connection to Chapel Hill and the Hickory area. Remember that he was friends with the Kingdom family and had seen East Chapel Hill play that year before the state championship. In his role at the NCHSAA, he wrote up the media notes for all the games. I am relying heavily on those media notes in this podcast. You know, I was fortunate to see a lot of amazing things that happened in high school sports, in a whole bunch of different sports. I worked about every different championship, but this still would be one of my enduring memories from 30 years of the NCHSAA, the confluence of factors. Where I'm from versus where I'm living, having some knowledge of how the East Chapel Hill team has gotten to where they are, knowing some of the coaches from Hickory, and then watching a game. And, you know, there's sometimes have been games highly touted and they haven't really panned out. You know, there have been a lot of blowouts in state championships as well as buzzer beaters. But this one, I do remember, that was a special night. There's no question about it. No question about it. That football reputation and the success that Hickory had helped them beat their basketball opponents in sort of a mental way. Daniel Willis was headed to Lenore Rhine. He would end up as a Division II All-American. Ty Hunt, the big center I mentioned earlier, he had a football scholarship as a defensive lineman to East Carolina. But he was more than just a big body. Ty Hunt was a skilled, powerful inside player. And he came into that game as Hickory's leading scorer. Daniel Willis was second. Their third leading scorer was Will Johnson, then a six-foot-eight sophomore. Johnson had good range for a player his size, and he helped Hickory make the regionals all four seasons. He was on varsity. He left as the program's career scoring and rebounding leader. He also left as the top goalie in Hickory history in goals against average in soccer. Johnson attended UNC on the prestigious Moorhead Scholarship and played basketball for the Tar Heels. In his first college start, he was three for three on three-pointers, and he appears in a Final Four box score in UNC's loss to Florida in Indianapolis in 2000. Hickory had talent beyond the big three. In the state championship game, the Red Tornadoes bench contributed 14 points, 
and several reserves played more minutes than some of the starters. Sophomore Menyel Flowers was one of those key players. He was fast and long and would go on to set a hickory record for receiving yards in football that stood for 20 years. Hickory also relied on William James, who made four of five shots in the title game. James would go on to be the college roommate and good friend of Chapel Hill High's Ed Gear. The Red Tornadoes had the type of talent that could get in your head before the game even started. You know, we didn't see them a lot, but their reputation kind of preceded them so much because partly of their football success. This is Brett Strelo who played at Bunker Hill, a smaller neighboring Catawba County High School. They were probably as dominant of a team as there was in the state at any level that year. And when you when you played them on the hardwood, you weren't just playing guard Daniel Willis. You were playing state championship quarterback Daniel Willis. You weren't just playing post player Ty Hunt. You were playing ECU football recruit Ty Hunt. You know, even if Jamel Patterson was a reserve on that team, that was stud running back Jamel Patterson or up-and-coming receiver Manuel Flowers with his length. Getting on the court with them, they just looked different. Daniel was a pretty sturdy, muscular guy at his size, and we grew up in an era of you know Ronald Curry being a big name, going to North Carolina as a two-sport athlete, and then to a much smaller degree. But you know, you had a guy like Daniel who was the state championship quarterback, the state championship caliber guard. That kind of aura they had. I mean, it was hard not to be in awe of them a little bit of just how they looked different. And they had this pedigree of success that they weren't just basketball players. They were, they were good at everything. For most of his professional life, Brett Strelo was a sports writer. Brett played against Hickory in a Christmas tournament. The game was not close. He graduated the same year as Willis and Hunt, which was 1997. Bunker Hill's tallest player and best scorer was actually out for that game, but it probably wouldn't have mattered against Hickory. The thing I remember most, I think we had seven high schools in the county and a lot of them were smaller that we played in gyms that were not the full 94 feet long, probably weren't the right width. And when we got to play in the Catawba Valley Classic, you could feel it because you were playing at Lenore Ryan on a full regulation college size floor. And when you do that, you could feel the extra couple feet at the end, but just how much bigger of a space it was. But I remember when we played Hickory, just how small the court felt because with their length and size, it just kind of suffocated you. And I think two times in the first five minutes of that game, I had turnovers where I just caught the ball and I heard the whistle blow and I had no idea why. And I would look down when the ref pointed and I was just standing on the sideline for some reason. Like I wasn't even on the court because they had pushed me out too far to the edge to where for some reason I was just trapped or whatever and would be out of bounds holding the ball. That game was never in question. Ty Hunt went on to play football at East Carolina. He was at ECU in the Steve Logan era and was teammates with David Garrard, a football quarterback who played basketball against East Chapel Hill for Southern Durham in that 1997 season. Hunt and Garrard played in a memorable bowl game for the Pirates, the GMAC Bowl in 2001 against Marshall. That game remains the highest scoring bowl game in history. And although Marshall won 64-61 on the arm of Byron Leftwich, it was Hunt who scored the game's first points. He intercepted Byron Leftwich's first pass and dashed into the end zone. Second down and 12. Here's Leftwich. Trying to set up the screen. It's tipped and caught. And it's going to be a touchdown. Ty Hunt off the deflection 
returns it 12 yards for a touchdown. It went off the hands of Benero Marriott and right to Ty Hunt. How about that for the senior way to end his college career? Daniel Willis also had success in college. At Lenore Rhine, a Division II school that is about a mile from Hickory High, he became an All-American guard, averaging 24.4 points a game as a senior. He didn't play football in college, but he was a two-sport athlete. He played three years of baseball at Lenore Rhine, and he was the team's leader in saves his freshman season. After playing professional basketball overseas, Willis came home and worked as a college assistant coach, including 10 years at VMI and five at the Citadel. In a team photo of that state championship football team from 96, along the top row are number 10, the quarterback, Daniel Willis, and number 88, the defensive lineman and tight end, Ty Hunt. It's fitting that those two were standing next to each other. They've pretty much been lifelong friends. Daniel and I, we've known each other since we were like five years old. So we, we, we watched each other grow up and we've played together since we were kids. You know, he, he'd be the only white kid in the black gym, you know, playing with us and, and vice versa. You know, when I'd go with him. And so we, we grew up together. We were like brothers. Ty Hunt is now an Atlanta police officer. Ty still has an 828 cell phone, which I asked him about considering he had been working in Atlanta for a while. And he said he kept that 828 phone so that his grandmothers could call him from their houses and it would still be a local call. He and Daniel Willis have stayed close over the years. You can tell they, they still have a bond. Daniel was the one who put me in touch with Ty for this podcast. It was like you could tell Daniel's word meant something. He was very eager to talk to me, and I appreciate that from everyone on the Hickory side because, let's be honest, this podcast is celebrating the other team's success, but I'm thankful to those guys for their memories. Maybe you recall in episode four at the very end, that episode was about Andy Jones, and Andy was talking about working on a stat crew for a college game in Virginia, and he went up to Daniel Willis and told him that he was Andy Jones and he had played at East Chapel Hill. After working at VMI, he worked at the Citadel until last June. I talked to Daniel Willis in mid-June and found out, actually from Brett Strelo, about two weeks after we first talked, Daniel Willis was named the head coach at Hickory High School, his alma mater. So he is now back, guiding the Red Tornadoes. I put it to rest because I'm coming home, coming home. I'm coming home. Oh, 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 oh. Well, I think it's great. I mean, obviously, he's a Hickory guy and he's well known in the community and He's one of the type of guys that people, when they graduate from high school, you always try to find out what they're doing now. And, and he's been around the college coaches. I always thought he would come back to Hickory, so it's good. It's a, it's a nice thing for Hickory, and it's going to be good for Hickory High basketball. I did have a follow-up call with Daniel about getting that job and what it meant to him. It's an exciting time 
to get back where it all started and, and try to give back to these kids what was given to me by the great coaches that I played for there and uh, giving them an experience that I got. I look forward to trying to get back to the state championship so these kids can experience what I did and have success and get some of them to go on and play at the next level. He said that maybe East Chapel Hill and Hickory can uh, work out a time to play a non-conference game. Over the years, Ray Hartsfield has kept in touch with Daniel Willis. Daniel and I talk all the time. I'm not kidding. You know, We talk all the time. He says, Coach, I was in it face, Coach. I was right there. You were. That was great defense. Willis was actually recruiting one of Hartsfield's players just a few years ago, a player named Miles Merriweather. And so he had occasion to visit East Chapel Hill's gym. He talked to Coach Hartsfield, and they reminisced a little bit about the game. Daniel Willis keeps that game kind of close to his consciousness. Uh, To be honest, I have never watched the first really three and a half quarters of the game. I've watched the last about four minutes of the game a couple times. Like if I'm cleaning out my office and I go through a DVD and there it pops up, I'm like, man, let me just pop this in to watch. Um, the, the first three and a half quarters, I don't really have. I have very little memories of it. Comes into James down the corner. Here's a three-pointer. Oh, Daniel Willis scores and gets his sixth point of the night. And Hickory's gone up 22-16 in the state 3A championship game. Daniel Willis isn't the only Hickory player from that era to visit the East Chapel Hill gym. Will Johnson, when he was at UNC, worked basketball camp there one summer. Neil, I probably I probably blocked it out if I did. <laughs> um, I have no idea. I definitely worked camp. I worked camp one summer. I'm certain it's true because Coach Hartsfield says of you, "Yeah, he was he was great with the kids." <laughs> yeah, I probably blocked it out. Uh, you know, I'm sure I saw the banner and just didn't want to think about it. So. Hickory nearly did hang a banner in 1997. I thought we had a good chance going into the game because I had a friend of mine named Frank Snyder. Snyder's roots are in the Hickory area, but he coached the 96-97 season at Southern Durham. And that Southern Durham team lost twice to East Chapel Hill in Crescent 3A play. And he was in the league. And, of course, I knew him from Maiden High School. And he's the first one I called. We were getting scout reports and film. And he told me, he said, it's going to be a dogfight. He said, y'all are exactly alike. I said, my God. He said, they got somebody better than you, though. And I said, who's that? And he said, Chris Hobbs. I said, what year is he? He said, he's a freshman. I said, my gosh. I said, how big is he? He told me how big he was. And I said, that could be the key to the ball game right there. He thought we could match up well. He didn't think we could match up with Hobbs, obviously, but he thought we could match up with everybody else. And I did, too. After looking at film, we were very, 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 very similar. As for what East Chapel Hill knew about Hickory, well, the Wildcats coaching staff got information from several sources. Ray Hartsfield, as mentioned in Episode 3, was a journalist, so he understood the importance of corroborating information. He knew the coach at Winston-Salem Carver, Alfred Poe. Carver was Hickory's opponent in the regional final. And Hartsfield also got a surprise assist from White Oak coach Greg Grantham, whose team lost to East Chapel Hill in the regional final in the East. We were playing our regional championship game on Saturday night, and for some reason, 
the West Regional and 3A had been played on Friday night, and my assistant coach had gone and scouted them. So we had a really good scouting report on Hickory. And I remember after the game, wishing Ray the very best and literally just gave him everything I had on Hickory High. (laughs) Here's how Andy Jones broke down the prior knowledge of Hickory. You know, we knew the the Willis kid could really shoot it. Like that kid could flat score. We knew a little bit about Will Johnson just being a a big body. You know, I think he was maybe a sophomore then. Um, But then they had another, the big kid, I don't remember his name, but Ty Hunt. Right, yeah, yeah. And he was a big body and a heck of an athlete. And so we knew it was going to be a challenge. Like we, we had kind of just seen, kind of read about each guy, and they kind of matched up pretty well with us. And so we were a little bit nervous about that. Uh, they had kind of rolled through some people, and we were, so we definitely were on high alert. Just as Ray Hartsfield wanted to get the Wildcats some college arena exposure and remember he was able to get them a practice at Cameron Indoor Stadium before they played in the Eastern Regional in Greenville at East Carolina. Hickory also spent some time practicing in a college setting. First of all we shot it like a dog the the first year and we went to Appalachian and practiced at Old Varsity Gym that year and we got one day to work out that was that year and we didn't get that coliseum atmosphere because people down east were playing at east carolina and i always felt like that that gave them an advantage because of depth perception so we practiced at davidson in the coliseum atmosphere three nights that week the red tornadoes didn't change up too much else but john worley said in a pregame radio interview with juju phillips that they were maybe a little bit superstitious. And given how they had performed in the 96 game, he wanted to change up some things. At courtside, John Worley, head coach for the Red Tornadoes, moments before your game. John, is this team completely ready? I think we're ready. I mean, you know, you never know till you get on the floor and start playing, but the attitude's been good all day. Uh, We've had good confidence all day long, and I hope the best team with the best athletes wins. You've changed a lot this time around, haven't you, in terms of the preparation, getting ready for the game? Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, our practices have been more intense this week. The kids' attitudes have been more focused this week. And, of course, we're all superstitious and want to change things up. So, yeah, we're doing things quite a bit different. Now, if it happens again, we lose the night. I don't know. I may have to come over here naked next time I come here. Thank you for listening. We are headed into episode 10, which is all about the state championship game, March 22nd, 1997. Let's talk trivia for just a second. Last week's question, how many of East Chapel Hill's 20 second half field goal attempts in the Eastern Regional Final against Jacksonville White Oak were three-pointers? Again, they took 20 shots, they made 15. The question was how many of those were three-pointers? The answer is one. East Chapel Hill was one for one from three-point range in that second half. That three-pointer was made by Paul Kindem. This week's question, who was East Chapel Hill's first NCHSAA champion? We'll give you the answer and more on the next episode of One, Two, Three! Now, I didn't ask John Worley 
to comment on the remarkable musical arrangements and overall tight editing done by executive producer Brian Fitzgerald on this podcast. But Worley was able to comment on Fitz's play on the court. Oh, Fitzgerald's hell player. the 